Good morning. Words don't come easy to me. How can I find a way to make you see I love you? Words don't come easy. Do you know this song? If you do, you'd be able to guess my age. If you don't, you'd also be able to guess my age. Well, I guess what I'm saying is this song is relatively old. It was released in 1982 and was played continuously until the 1990s. I often heard this song on the radio in my high school days, especially around this time of the year. The melody gives me a nostalgic feeling reminiscent of the snowy winter days of my teens. Some words do not come easy. For the last couple of months, I have been sharing some news with a few people. What I have told them is that this December, I'm finishing my work here in Chapel Hill and will be heading elsewhere. Each time I've shared, I've found it difficult to form the word, I am leaving the temple. Actually, what was even more difficult was to make that decision earlier this year. This morning, I'd like to revisit my time in this community to reflect on how wonderful it is to be part of this community. So it has been for nine years. Time is a relative concept. Sometimes nine years felt like a fleeting moment, but at other times it felt like doubled time. When I think of those years, quite a few stories and episodes come to my mind and I'd like to share some of them with you. My first two stories are about animals, peacocks and a snake. Peacocks. In my first few days in this temple, I heard some kind of weird, loud animal sound each night and wondered what it could be. The sound came from the direction of one of our neighbors, and it was peacocks. Soon after, I was able to see them everywhere on the temple ground. Usually they were strolling, sometimes running, and once in a while even flying. It was amazing to see peacocks closely and easily, just like chickens. Sometimes male peacocks beautifully opened their colorful wings. They were pretty. Do you know peacocks like to look at their reflection in windows? When they did, it was cute to watch them flock around the windows of the Dharma Hall. But soon after, I realized my fate with them. By their own nature, peacocks are the poop droppers. And my job was being the poop cleaner. Cleaning their droppings became my routine especially on weekend mornings. Anything beautiful from a distance is not necessarily true close up. I learned 
that pretty peacocks could turn out to be pretty annoying creatures. One Sunday morning, I cleaned up the many poops as usual, and then I saw those peacocks still wandering around the courtyard. What did I do? I did my best to chase them away. When a new temple visitor saw me running after them, he exclaimed, what a lovely temple it is. To him, I might have looked like a friendly lady who likes to play with peacocks. So I said nothing to him but smiled. I'm sure that someday I will remember those peacocks as pretty exotic creatures again. The next animal that comes to my mind is a snake. Here is my favorite episode. It was my very first month in this temple and was Sunday morning about half hour, about a half hour before the meditation gathering began. I was busy with setting up for the meditation. And I found a black snake peacefully coiling its body at the corner in the temple foyer. I was startled. It was a snake, people, fairly large and thick. Luckily, right then, Michael McLean arrived, and he saved my bewildered soul with his impressive response to it. He simply said, oh, a black snake, that's a good one. And then, without hesitation, he approached it and gently grabbed its neck and relocated it to the land across the street. That was that simple. What a world I was in. The whole episode of that morning remained as a comic strip. Michael's delightful manner toward the snake. The scene of him walking with the snake dangling from his hand and myself watching him handle the overall situation. My encounters with the snake and peacocks gave me a hint of what sort of environment, people, and temple I was introduced to. And certainly, as time went by, <clears throat> I realized that this temple was even more sensational and unique. The North Carolina temple is the third one I served. Each temple is its own universe. And so each time I needed to learn its own code so that I could adjust to it. I learned the code of this temple through several big events in the first few months. I found that at least two big events usually were conducted at the same time. For example, a wedding ceremony, including the reception in the temple yard, was one event. Dealing with big cement pipes and burying them in the garden was the other. These two events were planned for the same week, and yet we could not possibly neglect either one. What else was going on in my temple life? Great Enlightenment Day service and my very first community meal preparation. Visiting guests 
not like one or two, but like ten during the summer camps. Residents remodeling construction periodically and ongoing programs. Two back-to-back -back letting go ceremonies December 31st and the New Year's Day service on January 1st plus the community meal. What a schedule our temple has conducted so far. My first few years were intense and so I was able to learn fast how to be a kyomunim in this temple. So, among many activities I was directly involved in, which ones were demanding and at the same time rewarding? Pilgrimage trip? Oh yes. I had three great trips trips with wonderful groups of people. Two of them were led all by myself. Those were tough, fun, gratifying, and rewarding. As a bonus, I was able to rediscover the beauty of my own country and its people. And I love all these people who visited Korea with me. How about the World Scout Jamboree, was it hard? Oh, tell me about it. I attended two of them, one in Japan in 2015, the other in West Virginia last year. They were equally meaningful and tough. During the Jamborees, where I was surrounded by thousands of youngsters from all around the world, I clearly felt how lucky I was to be based in this North Carolina temple. That was because I realized that I have learned a lot while working with Reverend Wang Gong, who I think is the most creative kyomunim in the entire one communities. This really stood out during those jamborees when I led various meditation programs. Just like at the Chapelier Temple, I included Qigong, Tai Chi, body tapping, chanting, and bell ringing. These probably sound familiar to you, and the people at the Jamboree really enjoyed them as well. What about the Autumn Bazaar? It was unbelievable. If you were with us from the very beginning, You'll remember that for a long while, we only had the outdoor sales. And so we had to take out all the sale items to the front yard. Each bazaar morning, I experienced a whole new level of hecticness as we made everything ready while still keeping the 10 a.m. meditation gathering because the bazaar was always held on a Saturday. Yet, temple history has been made under its own causes and conditions. Since 2015, we did not get much luck with the weather on a bazaar day. This nudged us to evolve our bazaar programs and the venues for the sale items. Everything came back indoors. And the temple bazaar is now called Autumn Festival and we put more focus on 
open house programs. Good luck to you for the 2021 Autumn Festival. I should share about children's camp too. Certainly, it is the winner among all the other activities in terms of its intensity and distinct rewards. From my first year, 2012, until last year, 2019, I participated in 14 children's camps in total, in addition to teen camps and retreats. Oh boy, what great experiences I had. Children's camp was really something. It is a day camp from Monday to Friday from 8.30 to 4.30 p.m. About 30 children attended each of the two summer camp sessions. During the camp period, our hands were busy with guiding those little Buddhas. Was it fun? Oh, well, let me put it this way. It was very scary, especially for the first few years. Children were scary beings to me for many reasons. The language barrier, my lack of skills to deal with a rambunctious child, acts of pure meanness, and more. However, in the midst of all these difficulties, it was great to watch children grow during the camp. Just as many drops make a river, the children transformed as the camp day progressed. I could see those campers maturing day by day. I found that the children who came to our camp more than one time were more likely to continue their spiritual journey as they grew up. Nick and Ani, our live stream engineers, are great examples of this, as well as our temple kids like Ishans. We have two Ishans, Sophia, Mia, Ava, Neha, Siddharth, Adam, Bodhicrest, Bumi, and another Nick, and all the other children who came to our Sunday service and the camps. Well, please excuse me, parents. They are my kids too. Such transformations did not happen only to the children. I have been transformed through the camp experiences. Thanks to all those years surrounded by children, those short scary beings, I've learned that I could be just myself and still be comfortable. Although the changes have been gradual, two years ago during the camp, I felt that summer camps marked a huge step for my spiritual growth. And I thought to myself that I was getting ready to move on in my life. During my time here, I had many good days and I had a lot more great days, but I had some gloomy days too. No matter what days I have had, Thursday Dharma study has been at the center of my temple life. I feel very lucky that I had two study groups each week 
during my entire time in this temple. Through the study groups, I've kept up with my practice of inquiry. I was able to learn that, learn that some parts of my understanding of the scriptures were limited. The difference was clear between an Eastern mind and a Western mind, and the gap was almost tangible in the class. But it was inevitable that I came to understand the Western mind and how that mind reacts differently on reading the one Buddhist teachings. I did not want to see any... Ah, sometimes it was tough to see my rigidness during the discussion because I did not want to see any changes made to my mindset. Yet, these were positive challenges for me and they helped me grow out of my limitations. I hope that I have become a bridge to connect the essence of the One Buddhist teachings to fit well with the perspectives of Western minds. I think some One Buddhist teachings need to be more skillfully adapted to Western culture. I'm a person who believes in the power of endurance. Endurance is cultivated through time. And it means to overcome boredom, hardships, and everything beyond our control. Remaining in one place for a long time requires such endurance. Am I talking about myself? No. When I, when I think of the power of endurance, I think of Reverend Wan Gong. Did you know that she has been holding up this community since 2003? That makes 18 years. It is not easy to spend that long in one place. For her, it was not simply staying, but was continuously developing the most welcoming community in the States. I think I've already conveyed what kind of person she is, but I'd like to also say this. Reverend Wang Gong is a treasure in many ways. Her ability to think outside the box, her warriorship in being endlessly enthusiastic, her invincible mindset when it comes to reinvigorating things with, with fresh energy. To me, she is like a metal spring. Whenever she faces difficulties, she positions herself swiftly and springs up again even stronger and continue her Dharma work. I admire her persistence, resilience, and ongoing dedication in creating this community. I was very lucky to live with her for all these years. What a fun, dramatic life journey. I have had with her. She also wisely guided me when I was feeling down. In the summer of 2013, she gave me a blessing to go visit my friend in LA for a week, even though teen camp was going on at the same time. 
last year with Reverend Wongong's encouragement and guidance, I was able to lead my first Qigong retreat at Southern Dharma Retreat Center. Also, I completed my walking pilgrimage trip in Spain. All in all, my temple work and traveling has been made possible thanks to her trust in me and her guidance. And I am deeply grateful for that. Well, for a few days, she and I have been argument a little bit, so that probably got me in right now and makes me this emotional. Did I say I am deeply grateful for that? Forever Wong Gong? Okay. By sharing these few episodes with you, um, I have happily revisited my time in this temple. But I wonder what kind of person have I become? Well, I'm still me, Ginger. I'm the same person and yet a different version. If I compare myself to who I was in the past, I've become a bit more flexible and a bit lighter. I'm learning that living my life to the fullest does not mean always being serious. Having a spacious mind Sharing kind words and acting promptly will be my life motto. Whoever I meet as I go forward in the One Buddhist community, I will consider them family. And this will be my touchstone. 7,018. So what does the number mean? This is the number of the photos you can find in Flickr, our temple photo archive. So take your time to visit our temple's website to check out those photos. You may be able to find your own memories. Beyond the number of those photos, beyond all the episodes I've shared this morning, I'll treasure all the stories that were made in this community. So for all of that, I deeply thank you all. Some words do not come easy. Saying goodbye is one of them, right? So instead of saying goodbye, I'll say see you again next time. Actually, I have a few more weeks here, so I'll see you again next week. Thank you so much for listening to my stories.